mom was back in Louisiana, and so I wasn't able to celebrate her. But today, we're going to honor my mom. Come on, mom. Why don't you stand up so that everybody can wave at you? Hey, I want you to know that my mom was praying for you before you ever saw her. Before you ever met her, that lady has been praying, and that's one thing I can say about my mom. I, I was thinking about this. You know, um, when, whenever we get older, the things that we're thankful for are, are so different than when we're younger. And it would be very easy for me to sit up here and say, I want to thank my mom for bringing me to all those places when I was in the band and for bringing me to the ball field and all that stuff. But you know what I realize? All that stuff comes and goes. This is what I'm thankful for. My mama prayed. My mama was praying over things for my life, and I am so thankful that I had a praying mama. I'm standing here today because my mama was praying. Come on, somebody. This church is here because my mama was praying. My mama. My mama. Look at your neighbor and say, that's his mama. That's right. That's my mama. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I'd come home from school, and I have three brothers, but I think mom did it for me. Every day, there was like fresh cake, like homemade cake, like not, not just stuff from the store. I'm talking about my mom would make me cake every day. It was awesome. I don't know what your mom was fixing for you, but my mama was making me some fresh cake. It was so good. She didn't do it for my brothers or my dad. She did it for me. Anyway, all right, let me stop talking about that and jump into the message because we got work to do today. I'm so excited about this message. Um, so I want to start out with a question today. How many of you would say that everything that you have planned for your life happened exactly according to plan? And I don't know why you're laughing at that because it's not really that funny, am I right? We put so much effort into trying to plan it out exactly, trying to get it perfect, trying to get it just right so that we can move forward and everything would just fall in place. And then we live life, and it doesn't always happen like that. Come on, am I talking to anybody here today? I think we have this expectation that it's going to be easy if we plan it. Am I right? That um, it'll happen quickly if we plan it. And that nothing can stand in our way because we're fierce. Am I right? Come on. I mean, that's, I feel good when I plan things out. But I get mad whenever we're trying to do the things that we planned out and it doesn't go according to plan because I put so much effort and time into planning it. And now it's almost like scratch all of that. And I'm frustrated about it because I could have used that time to do some other things. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? And I'm not trying to discourage planning because we got a plan. But over and over, I find that when I try to plan it exactly, it doesn't happen like that. We made some plans, but we had to adapt to all the different things that life threw at us, some, some life events, maybe a sickness that we had no idea was coming, some situations, or, or better yet, a failure, or something that's been lying below the surface that just showed up right as you were trying to take that step, things like fear. Just where did that come from? And I noticed that it messes with our confidence. Confidence in our plans. Confidence in taking next steps. Confidence. It messes with our confidence to take risks. Because if it happens over and over, it's like, I don't want to feel that again. I don't want to experience that again. So I'm not going to do that again. And I think what it does is it puts us in the decision-making process where we wind up in a place of, I don't know. 
I don't know what to do. Anybody ever been there before? I just don't know what to do. And a few things that we've already learned in this series is this, is that the decisions that we make today determine the stories that we're going to be telling tomorrow. In other words, these decisions are making our lives. They, they, this is what makes us. And I, I find that as we are moving on in this life, that people are becoming more and more indecisive because they're unsure what to do. They're unsure because there's so many options that are out there. And then there's the illusion of perfection and, 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 and trying to, to, to hope and pray that everything that you do happens just like the way it did for them because it looked like it was problem free and that you should be able to achieve what they got if you do it exactly the way they did it. And then when you try it, it doesn't happen that way. Like I've seen people do this with business. They see a friend start a business and do it and it looks like they got the golden hand of God on them. And then when they try to start a business, it looks like the hand of the dark one is upon their, you know what I'm saying? Like, and But they feel like they're doing everything that other person did, but it's just looking different. And that stuff begins to mess with our decision-making process. Don't always know which path to take. We're afraid of taking the wrong step. We're paralyzed by fear. And so today I want to talk to you, and this is going to spread out over the next three weeks. The title of this message today is The Confidence to Know. The Confidence to Know. Like I mentioned, today is part one and part three of this. Uh, this trilogy in week three of the Divine Direction series. Are you following this? I hope so, because I think it's pretty cool to have a trilogy. I just always wanted one, and we got one now, okay? So I want to pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll really jump in. Lord, thank you for our time together. Believe that you're going to speak to our hearts today. And not just give us good ideas, but, Father, something that will change the way we think in pursuing you in pursuing the life that you have for us. So, Lord, today I pray that it won't just be my voice that is heard in this place, but, Father, I pray that we will hear you. Your word says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit will say to the church. And, Lord, today we give you our attention to hear what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. It's so challenging to speak a message about direction for people's lives because um, I think sometimes people assume that you have like an agenda whenever you talk like this. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I try to put myself in your shoes. Like if I was sitting out there and someone was speaking on this, it's almost like, what are you trying to get us to do that you're covering up with this really cool, positive message? Am I right? I mean, I'm not trying to throw myself under the bus here, but I, I mean, just in reality, it, it almost feels that way. And it can be really, really a challenge because um, really what we're just trying to do is help you be all that God wants you to be. That's really the heart behind speaking a message like this, because when we are living in that place of being all that God wants to be, that's where the fulfillment is. That's where the blessing is. That's where that sweet spot is that I think we're really, really trying to find. And I, I definitely think that it's a, it, it's a challenge to present these messages because my perspective is based off of my own experiences in life, the things that I experienced personally, as well as the people that I've encountered in my life and the things that they've experienced. And so to, to customize a message exactly for every single person's situation and give them such a solid, beautiful, laid out answer for every little bitty thing in their life, I, I just do not believe that that was ever going to be achieved for 
from the pulpit. And, and that would be great because we're already giving our time on a Sunday morning. And wouldn't it be just, just the greatest thing if I could just look at Mariah and say, Mariah, you're graduating from high school. And here you go. Do this, this, this. And all the great things that God has for you is going to happen if you do those three things. It would be fantastic, but that's not how it works because God has set us up in a place that we have to rely on him. In other words, we have to have some faith. Say faith. In other words, I have to trust God. That's part of the relationship. God God needs you to know that you need him. That's so important. God needs you to know that you need him. And, And just remember this. None of us got to where we are on our own. If you're successful, you did not get there on your own. Someone helped you get there. If you're unsuccessful, and whatever word you want to use to describe that, you didn't get there on your own. Someone helped you get there. And so there's somebody that is helping us get to where we're going in our life. And here's the great thing. We get to choose a lot of it. We really do. You can choose who your friends are. We talked about that two weeks ago. I would go back and listen to part two of Divine Direction if you were not here for that. Because we talked about wisdom. We talked about having the right people around us to help us make the right decisions with our lives. But I ultimately believe this, that the word of God is the key to our direction in our life. Amen. That the word of God is not just the latest, hottest idea for the moment, but it is something that has lasted for all of time. In fact, it is eternal and it always applies to our situation. Amen. And so when you go to God's word, a lot of times we're looking for an exact answer. Flip it open. Boom. Middle of the Bible. Psalms 51. Where does it say which job to take? It doesn't. It says something about, I will praise the Lord even in the presence of my enemies. It says stuff like that. It says things like, don't worry, don't be afraid. You're like, let me find something that applies. And you're trying to read and find something that tells you exactly what to do. And you read something that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. That's not what I'm looking for. And you're just flipping through the pages trying to find something. And all of those verses were actually answers for you. Come on. But we didn't see it that way because we needed yes or no. Should I marry him or not? Should I roll out or should I stay? Should I get a new job or not? And it's not telling me exactly. It's telling me to trust God. It's telling me to use wisdom. That doesn't work. I need something else. And God's like, I'm trying to help you, bro. Trying to help you, bro. You're just like running right by it. But the word of God is relevant to our lives. The principles are eternal. And the Bible presents us with with stories. It presents us with teachings that give us a complete picture of what it looks like, what it means to live a godly life. And a lot of times we don't know those pictures and those stories because we're not seeking it. We're seeking an answer, a quick answer, a fast answer, because I need to know right now. And a lot of times we get the correct answers but we apply it in a wrong way. Are you grabbing that? The answer is correct, but we're applying it the wrong way, and therefore we're not getting the right results, so we wind up saying, well, I tried that and it didn't work. There's a lot of people who aren't at church today because I tried that and it didn't work. I've learned this about my salvation. i got to work it out. If I'm hanging over the side of the cliff and someone throws a rope and says, grab the rope, and I never grab the rope, I'm never going to be saved. 
Are you, are you seeing this? And I feel like the Lord just continually throws us ropes. We're in the middle of situations and the Lord's throwing us a rope. And you're like, I don't like that rope. I'd rather not a rope. That's going to hurt my hands. Are, are, are you grabbing this today? We, we want someone to come and coddle us and bring us to safety. And God's like, reach out your hand and grab the rope. Come on, let's go somewhere. Are, 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 you, are you with me today? So I've learned this, that no matter the people, no matter where we are geographically, no matter what the culture is, no matter what kind of access that we have to things, no matter what our education level is, no matter what our financial level is, we all have to make decisions. Did you know that? It doesn't matter where you are in your life. You've got decisions to make. That five-year-old on the playground has a decision to make. Am I going to slide or am I going to go in the swing? I don't know what I'm going to do. But i got to figure it out because the bell's about to ring. Decisions. We all have decisions to make. And one key ingredient that affects our decisions is our confidence. It's affecting what you choose to do and what you choose not to do. And I believe that the Bible is a tremendous source of confidence. I believe it can give you confidence in ways that people could never give you confidence. Because this is the written, inspired word of God. God breathed it. God spoke it into existence and men wrote it down. And we have the luxury, did you hear what I said? We have the luxury of having direct access to the scriptures. Whereas these guys who were in Bible times, they didn't have the access that you do. They did not have a Bible app. They had to go to the synagogue and try to wheel and deal in order to unroll the scrolls to look at the scripture. Other than that, all they have is what somebody told them that it said. And I've learned this in my walk with God. I can either get it from somebody or I can get it for myself. And when I get it for myself, it means a whole lot more. It doesn't mean that I didn't need you. It just means that if I don't have my own relationship with God, at some point that person that I've been relying on is not going to be there. It's not because they didn't love me. It's because they were just unavailable at the moment. And I better have a relationship with God that's going to carry me in that moment or else I can all fall apart. And when I'm leading something like a family or I'm leading a group and I fall apart, it not only affects me but it affects them too and so I have to make sure that my relationship with God is solid are you grabbing this I'm just trying to tell you about the Bible that's all I'm trying to do so I want you to go to first Kings chapter 17 we're going to read a little bit literally this this trilogy is based off of first Kings 17 it is the whole entire chapter. So if you want to go home and do a little homework, go home and read 1 Kings 17. But it's the entire chapter. And today we're just going to go with the first seven verses because there's something in here you've got to see. Now Elijah, verse 1. Now Elijah, not my son Elijah, but the prophet Elijah. Now Elijah, who is from Tishba, I don't know if that's how you say it, but I could say it any way I want and you would agree with it because you don't know how to say it either. Now Elijah, who was from Tishba in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. That's a bold preacher right there. I need you to know you a bad boy when you go tell the king it ain't going to rain for a while until I say it's going to rain. 
I feel pretty good about my preaching sometimes, but I do not think I'm going to go say something like that to somebody. Just saying. Verse 2, then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook near where it enters the Jordan River and drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. Huh. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. That's such an interesting verse. Context, he's about to prophesy a drought. And that affects all the people in that nation, including himself. So what's he going to eat? What's he going to drink? And the Lord leads him to a brook and says, stay here. I'm going to feed you with the birds. Mind blown already, am I right? So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening. Now, I don't know if you understand what ravens do, but they're not the cleanest of animals. They find dead things and eat it. I read this stuff. I studied it a little bit. I'm not going to go into the gory details because some of y'all won't sleep tonight. But let's just say that's some bad boys, okay? Some bad birds. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Now, you look at this, and it is pretty impressive. Because here's Elijah, who is a man of God, and God asks him to do something that is pretty incredible. And God asks him to do something that not only is going to affect others, but it's going to directly affect him personally. Now, it's so much easier to stand in a ministry position and say things that apply to other people. But when you have to say things that apply to you as well, you kind of you want to be a little more careful. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you got to live what you preach. How many of y'all know that? You can't just say it. You have to live it or else you have zero credibility and you have no authority. And therefore, people don't want to hear what you have to say anymore. And so you, you have to make sure that if I'm going to say this, I have to believe it. And do I really, really want to say it? And so he says it, understanding the ramifications, but God takes care of him. God's like, even though I'm asking you to do something that is very uncomfortable, something that interrupts everything in your life, he's saying, I got you. I got you taken care of because there's going to be a drought going on, but come over here. I got a brook set up. And there's some, it's nice, cool, crisp, refreshing water. And better yet, I'm going to feed you every day. The birds are going to come bring you a sandwich every morning and every evening. I don't know exactly how Elijah was living, but it sounds like room service in the morning, at night, during the day, go do your thing. I guess God said you're on your own for lunch. I don't know, but this is very impressive to me. I have to be honest with you. When I really break this down, it impresses me because it's kind of like God already knew. How can I apply that to my life? Perhaps God already knows what I need to do, where I need to go, what decision I need to make, what that I need to make. But I don't know that he knows that. And therefore, when I go to God, I talk to him like he doesn't know. But he's the alpha 
and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. And he fills all the space in between. So he already knows. He already knows what's next for your life. And you're sitting there saying, well, why won't he just, why didn't he just tell me? Because God likes to reveal things rather than just giving it to you. He likes to reveal it to you so that it lasts, so that you grow into it instead of just get a bunch of stuff and treat God like he's your sugar daddy. Seriously, I don't know if we could say that in church, but I just did. And it's crazy because none of us would say that's how I think of God. But if we listen to our prayers, it may sound like that. It may sound like that. So I'm going to talk about three things that we can be confident of. Now, this is the setup for the trilogy right here. Three things that we can be confident of. And the first one is this. And already you're not going to like it. I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to like it. So I figured I'd get the first one out of the way. Okay. The first one, three things we can be confident of. God will challenge your normal. God will challenge your normal. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't like it. Don't like it one bit. I know. And it's something that in one moment in your life, you could be so confident of the direction that it's going. And then in the next moment, it gets challenged. Like something can happen in it challenges you like like imagine that you were making plans for something and and you fill in the blank whatever it wants to be and then something occurs that affects you financially and it and and listen maybe you're doing the whole Dave Ramsey thing and it's way more than your emergency fund that you put up come on let's talk about that I like Dave but when emergency fund is gone it's gone for real I'm talking about one of those situations where it's like okay family meeting we need to talk about because I don't know how we're going to do this moving forward see the little things we tend to just take the punches and roll with it but I know that there are people in this room that have had some real life things occur like like there was this state position that you had and they just decided they were going to do away with the whole entire department anybody know what I'm talking about like this is the real stuff like you, you had everything set, you were building your career, and it's like they just came and pulled the rug right from underneath you, and now you're trying to figure out, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? This is real life situations. It's like, what? How? What? I just ask questions. You're coming to church then. You're joining the e-group then. Am I right? I mean, you're joining every group you can. You're reading every devotional there is that there ever was. Like, you're reading all of them. You're reading three different versions of the Bible at one time. Got you three highlighters, a yellow one, an orange one, and a green one. And you're highlighting every... In fact, you go back and read what you read for the day. The whole page is like a rainbow. Every verse was good. Every verse was good. It was like this person begat this person. This person, oh, that is so good. I need that for some day in my life. I don't know what for, but I'm going to highlight it. Just highlighting everything. But what about when when God decides to challenge how you think and asks you to take a step that looks questionable? Whenever you had all your plans and God says, hey, what about whenever that support system that you had doesn't seem to be so supportive anymore. 
What about whenever God decides to mess with your routine? Your schedule? Or those nice plans that you had written down, color-coded, and your day planner? What if? Because I get the picture that this is what's happening right here with Elijah. I get the picture that this man is just trying to be a good old prophet. You know what I'm saying? Let me just do my thing and say what you say. And then God says, okay, we'll go tell the king this. I need to close the door and have a meeting with you, Lord. And this ain't a prayer closet. This is a meeting room because what are you doing? And we do question if God actually knows what he's doing. Am I right? That's why we hesitate to step and do it because we're not sure that God knows what he's doing. But all of us by now have seen that God challenges our comfort zones. If you don't believe me, you prayed and prayed and God gave you that person that you were going to marry. And you're like, the Lord has blessed me. Then you got married. And your comfort zone got challenged when you got married. You didn't like that example. Okay, let's go to another one. You wanted a child. And the Lord blessed you with a child. And your comfort zone got challenged like before you even had the child. Couldn't sleep. It was hot. Just wanted to eat barbecue ribs all the time. All the time. Just interrupting the routine. Prayed for God to give you a job. He gave you a job. And then the first day there, they say, hey, can you stay late? And you're like, I already have all the arrangements with my kids. Like, I need to go do this and go get this. And they're like, yeah, we need you to stay. We like what you're doing here. The routine, the schedule, the plans, the everything that we had so set, it's now challenged. And it's kind of like, oh, no, I don't know if I could do this because this isn't the way it was supposed to go. It was supposed to all fall in exactly and perfectly. And this ain't falling out exactly and perfectly. Think of a business owner that, that, that does some work for someone, and it's time for them to pay. And they say, hey, um, and, and business owner, you're feeling it right now. You, you know what I'm talking about. They say, hey, can I, can I catch you in two weeks whenever I get my big check in? Uh, I, I, I got my tax money coming in. I'll pay you in two weeks. And then, uh, well, okay. And then two weeks come, and you don't even hear from them. You call them on the phone. They don't answer. They, like, changed their number, went rogue off the grid, changed their name, the whole nine yards. It's true. And you were counting on that for payroll. I mean, this is the real stuff. And now you're in a place of like, now we got to figure this out. But, but what happens when all of that stuff gets messed with? Because now it starts affecting your future. Because when one person does it, you could do it. But like when 10 people that you do business with, they are not paying you. Houston, we have a problem. Because now it's messing with your life and your future. Think about the story in Mark chapter 8. This is an awesome story, by the way, because Jesus is about to do an incredible miracle for a blind man, about to give him his sight back. But watch this. He challenges. The, this is in Mark 8. You can go read it. Here's a blind man in his village. The other day I was I was over uh, on Centerville Road and there was a there was a guy crossing the street and you could tell he was visually impaired. And I was so impressed because he made it look like he knew exactly what he was doing. And there was traffic and everything. And this guy's like a boss, man, just walking across the street. I'm serious. It was so impressive. But I, I, I assume that he had been there so many times that he picked up on the details of all the sounds. He knew what the pavement felt like. He, knew, he paid attention to so many details that he got, he got really good at moving around this place. 
And so when I think of this man in Mark 8 that has no vision, he'd lived there so long, he knew where everything was. He didn't even have to look. It's like waking up in the middle of the night at your house. You don't have to turn on lights. You could just walk all around the place except for one place, the foot of the bed where your toe hits it, and then that's it. Everybody's waking up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you go downstairs and everything, just complete, utter darkness. Fine, everything's good. You think you got it made, and you get like one step away from your bed, and then that corner pinky toe catches it, and that's it. We're down. We're down. Call the ambulance. It's over. This man, Jesus says, okay, I'll heal you. Let's go. Takes the man out of his village. Big risk. Because this man doesn't know anything out of the village. He's used to everything in it. He's done felt his way around. He knows how to get around there. But Jesus takes him out of the village, heals him, and then says, now go back a different way than the way that we came. Don't take the same path that we came. That's very interesting, am I right? Because the man, he could have felt his way around, context clues, paid attention to sounds, things that he felt with his feet and everything as he's going, and tried to memorize it so he could find his way back. But Jesus says, take a different route. And all I can think is this. On the way there, this man has to be thinking, am I losing my mind? Am I crazy? Like letting this man take me away from the place that I know so well. But yet he's telling me he's going to heal me. What if he just leaves me here? What if he just decides to prank me? Like take me out and say, see you, bud. And the reason why I say that is because this is the stuff that people say that God does to them. God left me there. God didn't do what he said he was going to do. So Jesus takes him out of the village. And I'm sure he was questioning everything on the way. But on the way home, the man was so glad that he went. He was so glad that he decided to get outside of that comfort zone that he had always been in because now he was able to experience something that he couldn't find in the comfort zone. Are, are, you, are you seeing this today? Jesus had to take him to a place that was unfamiliar to do something in his life because everything had become so familiar, he really had no need. So Jesus brings him to a place where he is vulnerable and now he needs Jesus like if Jesus is going to say come follow me he's going to stick with Jesus now because he needs Jesus to help him get wherever he's going to go and Jesus does the miracle in his life now we normally do things that we like and things that benefit us and we don't normally do things that are uncomfortable we don't normally do that that doesn't come natural to us and so when God asks us to do something watch this that's beyond our personality that stretches us into places that we are afraid, typically we say, well, I don't do that. That's just not me. But what if that is the very place that God is leading you to that is going to bring something out in you that you always wanted to be brought out? What if that is the place where the miracle is? What if that is the place where God decides to do all the things you've been praying for and asking him to do? Think about that. What if? I'm just throwing it out there. What if? What if God isn't really the one who has the problem? What if it's us? Look at your neighbor and say, what you've been doing? See, we, we collect things and we gather things and we, we, we want things that give us convenience. We want things that give us comfort. And these are things that we usually build our lives with. But if we go back to Elijah, we see that God will challenge those things. God will challenge those things 
Why? To show us how much we need him. In fact, God will even challenge those things to help you help somebody else who needed him. You ever been in a hurry for something before and you're just running, 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 trying to make it happen. And then you encounter somebody that needs help. And in in your mind, you say, I can't do this. I don't have time for this. But your heart is saying, you know, you need to help them. And your mind is saying, I can't right now. I can't right now. I can't. I'll, I'll make it up later in the week. But your heart is saying, you need to stop and help them. And your mind is saying, but if you do this, your whole schedule for the rest of the week is going to be thrown off. But your heart is saying, you better do this. That's the stuff. That wasn't in the planner. Like, that wasn't the green writing in the planner for the week. Green means go. Like, we, don't, we didn't write that in green. That wasn't in there. But yet you know that you know that you know you have to do this. And so we put ourselves in the position of, am I going to just do whatever I think needs to be done or I'm going to follow really what God has for me because you didn't realize that by stopping to help that person that could start a relationship that could open a door for a career that you've been praying for for so long but yet you chose not to stop and God was actually trying to answer your prayer but you thought all of your plans was going to give you everything that you need but you missed this divine interruption that God was using to try to answer your prayer so now you're going to be driving down the road you're going to see somebody on the side of the road you're like hmm talk about at church Sunday what do I do should I stop and help them what if they have to answer all the things that God has for me things that make you think because the God I know has definitely interrupted so many things in our life and I find that God interrupts those things because all of the things that we're building our life with tends to be temporary and God thinks in terms of the eternal God is thinking of things that last. He's not thinking of trends. He's not just thinking of what's hot now. God has always been hot. Trust me, the Bible says that our God is consuming fire. I know it's a dad joke, but just roll with me. That's a good dad joke. Are we sacrificing purpose and fulfillment and God's best for the sake of our own convenience and comfort? I told you I needed to get this first one out of the way. Please come back next week because next week's going to be fire, I promise you. Okay. So the question I want to pose and answer today is what do I do when I get challenged? What do I do when God challenges my comforts and my conveniences and my schedule and my plans for my life? What do I do? So three choices to make in the challenge. Three choices to make in the challenge. I got 11 minutes to knock this out. Y'all ready? Let's jump in. The first one is you have to choose to be confident in him. Choose to be confident in him. Let me explain what that means. Where do we get our confidence from? Where did you get your confidence from? That's not a question that you always sit there and try to break down and figure out. But you did get your confidence from somewhere. Maybe you had a family that was always encouraging you and setting you up to take steps. Maybe you had a mentor. Maybe you worked for someone. Maybe you had a coach or a teacher that just was like right there side by side with you, helping you to take steps and do all those things. And they helped you to build some confidence because they walked with you through some challenges. And because you were successful in those challenges, you started to feel like, I can handle this. I can do it. Some people, their confidence is a lot of self-confidence. How many of y'all know somebody that's got a lot of self-confidence and it's borderline some confidence that is unhealthy? 
You know what I'm saying? And they act like they got it all together, but let some pressure come, and then we start seeing that their confidence really isn't as confident as we thought it was. And there's a lot of different things that we're getting our confidence from. Some people get their confidence from their education. And listen, get as much education as you can, but you have to understand education helps you to know things, but not everything. Trust me, school doesn't teach you everything. They teach you what you need to know for the things that you need to do. But there's a lot of other stuff that you need to know. A lot. And so education can be a source of of confidence, but it's not the complete package. Because even educators look at people and say, you know, what they have, you can't teach. Well, where did that come from? They have the it factor. Well, how did they get that? Let's start a class on how to get the it factor. Well, I don't know how to get the it factor. It's just natural. It's just, it's God given. So what does that mean? Like it just creates so many questions. And so these are sources of confidence. I think sometimes our confidence depends on our success failure rate. Think of this. If you, if you took some risks and you have a series of failures, your confidence isn't going to be high your confidence is going to be low. But if you have a constant track record of success, you just feel like, let's do this. This is what we do. We take risks. But what if, though, what if some of the main things that are holding us back with the decisions that we already know we need to make, because a lot of times we have the answers, we're just not confident. What if? Where are we going to get that confidence from? And watch this now. Confidence is challenging to talk about. It's really a challenging trait because confidence is an element of our faith, okay? Faith is challenging to talk about also because you have the potential to believe things that aren't even true and become confident about it not being true, but believing it is. Give you an example. You'll never amount to anything. Let the right person say that to you. And even though you don't think it's true, they said it with such authority that for some reason you can't shake it. And even though it ain't true, you still believe it. And you keep believing it, keep believing it, and now you're down the road in your life and you didn't take any risk because you built your life on something that wasn't true. And you're confident of it. This is These are the things... That, that affect how we move forward. And I felt like it was so important to, to, to talk about this because we may be confident about things that aren't true. And we built our life around something that is false and we're confident about it, so confident we tell other people about it to try to get them to believe that it's true so that we don't feel like we're the only ones who believe like this. Anybody following me today? Because there's a lot of people out there that aren't going for it because they believe little things like that. And it's become such a part of their life. But I want you to know this, that God can help you break that cycle. He can help break that chain. But it's a matter of who you choose to believe. And I know this, that God is good. And when I choose to believe God and see him as my father, he begins to say things to me that has more power than those things that were spoken to me before. Come on, it has more power than that one comment that I built my whole entire life on because his words have power, amen? So watch this, Hebrews 11.1, big verse, you've heard it before. Now faith is confidence. 
Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's confidence. It's assurance. So watch this. Our confidence is found in who we are in Christ. That's where it's at. Because even if I have a failure, it's not going to determine who I am. Because no matter if I succeed or if I fail, I am still God's son. Are you with me? And it doesn't change the fact that Jesus went to the cross for you. I guess Jesus didn't die for you because you messed up. Jesus still died for me. If that was the case, he didn't die for anyone because we all messed up. We all have sinned. But God valued us as sons and daughters so much that he sent his best to the cross. And when you and I choose to find our identity in him, now my confidence does not come from my achievements. It comes from my position as a son, as a daughter of God. Come on, somebody. And so if you try to tell me I can't, I'll just tell you, but my daddy said I could. Watch this, and I'm wrecking the message because I only got a few minutes left. When Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days, again, God took him out of his comfort zone and brought him into the wilderness for 40 days. And he was tempted three times by the devil. And every time the devil tempted him, this is what it said. If you really are God's son, prove it. Do something big. Prove it. And what did Jesus do? How did he combat it? He says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, you can't challenge me. I know who I am. I know that I'm God's son. And this might be tough for 40 days because I ain't eating nothing and I ain't drinking nothing. But you ain't bringing me down with some imitation of the good things that God has for me. I know who I am in Christ. Hold on. It wasn't finished because he's on the cross. And what did they say? What did the Roman soldiers say? If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Watch this. And save yourself. Again, challenging who he was. And Jesus knew who he was. That's why he knew he could finish it. There's someone here today. You're in a discouraging situation. You don't know what to do. And I I can't give you the exact answer, but I can remind you of who you are in Christ. And I can tell you this, that you're God's son. You're God's daughter. And God is with you right now, even in the middle of it. And God will give you the wisdom. Come on. God will give you the direction. God will help you with this thing. But it's all dependent upon, do I know who I am? Or am I just chasing every little thing out there? See, I'm not chasing everything out there. I'm following him. He's consistent. He's consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many consistent things are like that? There's not any. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The old song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. My confidence is in him. It comes, watch this, it comes from the promises that I know he's made for me. It comes from knowing that he is for me. It comes from knowing that he is with me. So when I get discouraged, when I get overwhelmed, when I get confused, when my ground is shaking all around me, the first answer that I go to is, who am I in Christ? God loves me. I'm his son. God has promises for me. And even though this stuff looks crazy, God's promises are not going to be changed by some people who are crazy. Are you grabbing this today? God just might be using a different delivery system than what I expected. 
I expected it to show up on the front door, but I didn't know that the delivery man brought it to the back door because he didn't want someone to steal it. Are you grabbing this today? See, that's the danger. Whenever we think it has to happen exactly, God will totally mess with our comfort zone. Here's the second thing. i got to choose to be confident in him, but I have to choose to be committed to him. That's a choice I have to make because when your life gets challenged, you got a choice to make. I'm either going to run to him or I'm going to run from him. And if you stay in neutral ground, you're going to go in the path of least resistance, which is to fall away from him. This is what happens. So I have to choose. I'm going to be committed to God. When God asked me to take a step of faith, that is just crazy. That doesn't fit into my understanding. What am I going to do? I have to choose to be confident in him because I'm his son and I know that God's got good plans for me and I'm going to choose to be committed to him. No matter what, I'm going to be committed to him. So watch this. I have found that God brings us to the place of certain uncertainty. You should write that down. He brings me to a place of certain uncertainty. I'm uncertain about what in the world you're doing, but I am certain that you are with me while I am here. Are you grabbing this today? And I have to make the choice to be committed. Again, it's a decision. Elijah, listen, his commitment to God was tested when God said, go tell him it's going to be a drought. That's going to hurt me. Let's talk about what's going to hurt them, not what's going to hurt me. This is what happens. He chose to be committed. And because he chose to be committed, God continually took care of him. God was provided for him, even though the whole entire nation was in their drought. God's like, I got you. I got you taken care of. Proverbs 16, verse 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Notice it didn't say establish your plans and commit to the Lord and see what he's going to do. It says commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. It's got to be God first, my commitment to God. And I felt like I needed to tell you this today. There is no one more committed to you living an abundant life, the blessed life, than Jesus. There is no one more. In fact, he's more committed to you and the blessed life that he has for you than you are to the blessed life that you're trying to achieve. He is more committed to it. He has plans for your life that you never would write down. You would not even write them down. In fact, he's so committed to you that he paid for every sin. He paid for every bad decision that you have ever made so that you can be forgiven and have another chance to go for it. That's how committed he is to you. And that is quite impressive. So God will bring you to a place of certain uncertainty. And if you're in a place of uncertainty today, go to the things that you are certain about. I don't know what I need to do, but I do know that God is with me. I do know that God will give me the wisdom to make a good decision. I do know that God is going to provide for my needs. Are y'all hearing this today? I do know that God is always good. Even though this might not be good, this doesn't determine who God is. God is good all the time, no matter what, because it's against his nature to not be good. So God is good, and I have to go to what I am certain about in the places where I have uncertainty. i got to stay committed. Here's the last one. Choose to be comforted by him. Choose to be comforted by him. Now, even though Elijah had to prophesy a drought, God's still faithful to him, and God brings him to a brook. 
Imagine this. God says, go prophesy. I drive. Oh, that's just great. What are we going to do now? We ain't going to be able to eat. Our family's going to die. We're going to lose everything that we worked for. And God's like, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bring you to this brook, and I'm going to feed you. Did we ever think that God loved us enough to take care of us? Did you know that God is a provider? Did you know that God is a provider? But yeah, but Pastor Wade, I've made bad decisions with my finances. Doesn't change that God is a provider. Listen, if you made bad decisions with your health, does that nullify the fact that that guy that you go to see for your health, is? does that mean he's no longer a doctor? Like if you have cavities in your teeth and you go, so, well, you're not a dentist anymore, i got cavities. No, I'm still a dentist. We're going to clean you up. Get the drill. I mean, seriously, but this is what we do to God. Oh, this happened. Well, God's not God anymore. He's still God. See, we seek to find comfort in things. And those things eventually become a trap. They eventually become a trap. Like golden handcuffs. Because we found security. We found safety in those things. And God would say, let's take a step. And we wouldn't take the step because, well, I got it so good where I'm at. But you know that God's got more for you. Come on. What happened? We found comfort in temporary things. And that comfort has now become our trap. The way the comfort of God works is as you take those steps of faith, as you step into the unknown, as you begin to step out in faith, he is constantly comforting you as you do it. You see, comfort isn't just something God gives. It's who he is. And so that promise that says, I am with you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That means if he's with me, peace is with me. If he's with me, comfort is with me because, oh, yeah, that's true. He's the comforter. If I really study this thing out, the Holy Spirit is the comforter promised by God through Jesus. So I have the comforter with me that as I am taking these bold steps of faith, that even though it is unsure, even though it is uncertain, I am certain because the comforter is with me. And things can't comfort me. Did you hear what I said? Things can't comfort me when I have to take big steps of faith. Things can't comfort me. I need a person to comfort me. I need the Holy Spirit. And if you want to know what the X factor is, the Holy Spirit is the X factor. Because it was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness. And it will be the Holy Spirit that leads you to start that business. It will be the Holy Spirit that leads you to make that decision to ask that woman to marry you. It will be the Holy Spirit that will lead you. Are you grabbing this today? It will be the Holy Spirit that will lead you. And even though it doesn't look like it makes sense when it's a God thing, it's going to make sense down the road. Just hang tight. He will comfort you. And there's many people in here that can testify to that today. So watch this, 2 Corinthians 1, 6 and 7. This is where we finish. But in our trouble, God has comforted us. And this too, to help you. To show you from our personal experience how God will tenderly comfort you when you undergo these same sufferings. He will give you the strength to endure. Isn't that a good verse? Isn't that a powerful verse? Now today, this is part one of this trilogy. And I, I, I'm just today I had to set this thing up. Next week is going to be so good. It's going to be so powerful. Next week, we're going to talk about God revealing his purpose to you. 
Now you have to understand the purpose is going to be revealed outside of the norm. It's going to be revealed to you outside of your comfort zone. And so we're praying in the safe place and God tell me, God tell me. And God's like, let me show you. And he leads us to an uncomfortable place. Next Sunday is going to be so powerful.